And hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. And I'm Daniel Colburn. And today, this episode is sponsored by Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Dot IO. Dot IO. Honey Badger is a zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations in your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. We'll talk more about it later. That's right. None of this 2D coverage that everybody's got these days. No, three dimensional. 3D. You get a Z axis. That's right. Oh, um, D Cole. Caleb. So, D Cole, first thing. I call you D Cole. <laughs> I call oh, you D Cole. <laughs> I call oh, you D Cole because I do that to people. Just it just happens, you know. Sure. Um, Matt Stauffer is often M Stauff. Is that is that true? Yeah, I think that's more of like kind of a joke because I call you D Cole. Somehow I started calling him M Stauff, so it's not that's that's that funny. That's a good joke. Um, so I'm trying to think of C Troms. Chris Trombley's C Troms. Oh, I call him C Troms often. Yep, definitely C Troms. So it's just I guess it's just something that happens. It just um, happens. So anyway, so I call you D Cole, and, and it it evolved organically in our relationship where you used to call me daniel because that's what my parents named me um and then uh at some point you you started saying decol and i thought it was funny and then you, you started saying decol sometimes yeah, right, decol. which which rhymes with nicole decol um so I, anyway, I'm it's talking, a nice affectionate thing that we have in our in our friendship. Exactly. It's just between me and you. Yeah. And then I'm at Laracon and oh, somebody yeah. talking to somebody and he's like, Oh, I'm a big fan of the show. Really like it. Um and then he just casually talks about you, but instead uh-huh. of saying Daniel, he says, and then and then D. Cole, he you know, and I, it just kind of like caught my ear you know yeah, yeah. Um, you think it was, it was very... weird for you yeah right i'm standing so... in the middle of this of this giant conference of people a, a, a throng of humanity and some guy i've never met in my entire life it's <laughs> like kind of goes for a handshake and is like decole what's up man <laughs> it was like whoa that's crazy so anyway. you expressed some sort of like oh shoot now i'm decole to me <laughs> And uh, and you shouldn't have done that because you know yep, I mean it's just yep. the law it, of I, I showed weakness exactly I showed I showed my fleshy underbelly so now that it had to be like and and it's possible that you know that it actually bothers you and I wasn't being sensitive but that's just the no. cue for me to just like nope. drill it further in yep. so <laughs> so then I, I forget well I was backstage. Before I went on, and um, Justin Jackson, who is a fan of the show, yep. says he, um, he he's like, hey, what? How, how do I introduce you guys? <laughs> you know, or whatever. I said, um, well, yeah, no plans to merge, and uh, and he's like, and, and what's your partner's name? And I said, D. Uh, well, his name's D. Cole, and he he looks at me and he like really paused, and he like was just about to go on, so you, you could tell he was kind of frustrated. Like, wait, don't mess with me, man. Like, I'm like, yeah. just call him D. Cole, and he's like, what? Wait, really? What? I'm like, yeah, just do it. So then he, he goes oh out there, and God. I don't I barely remember what he said because I didn't hear it really. But uh, he called you decol, right? He called me decol forty <laughs> times, <laughs> and then he had me like come up to pick someone's name out for a prize. Okay, by calling me decol, and then <laughs> said decol several more times, which led to everyone calling me decol, including on Twitter. And in person, and I guess, yeah, I've been J-Macked, is the the story. (laughs) 
So then I, I when I introduced the show in my talk, I said, I think I said decal, right? I didn't oh, even did. intend to. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> that wasn't in my rehearsals. My rehearsal was me and my buddy Daniel or me and my buddy Daniel Colborn. I thought like maybe people don't know who Daniel is and he would want his name shouted out. So I said me and my buddy Daniel Colborn every mm-hmm. time when I practiced and then it just happened. Me and my buddy Decol. <laughs> so you're Decol. I mean, it's it's kind of fine because my Twitter name is D Colborn. It is, which is extremely frustrating. Like I can't tell you how many times I search Daniel and don't find it and then I have to go back in DC to get D Colborn. Yeah. Especially because your name isn't Daniel Colborn ever. It's like left shoe purple schnauzer or something. (laughs) Yep. That's me. But the difference between you and J-Mac is J-Mac likes J-Mac. Like he's, he's sort of pushing it. So it's this kind of thing that at least, at least from what I observe, he's sort of pushing J-Mac and it it hasn't really stuck. I don't think maybe it has. Yeah. But see, you're like, anti-pushing it so i i think it's gonna stick yeah um that's the problem that's the law <laughs> of nature therein lies the nickname rub <laughs> is that if you push the nickname it doesn't stick and if you push against the nickname it does and that's why i am not non-judgmentally observing the nickname i'm not <laughs> i'm not for the nickname i'm not against the nickname okay i let the nickname float by like so many clouds the nickname is just this. It is. The it nickname is not is. that. It is. That's correct. It is. It just is. It is dollar sign this. That's right. My brother used to want to be called Bro. His name's Brock. And like he, when we were young, he's like, I want you to call me Bro. And I'm like, no way, man. Like I call him plenty That's of things. That's not good. But once somebody asks you to call them like a cool nickname... <laughs> You're like, absolutely That's not, not even that cool of a nickname. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it struck me as odd. It was weird. <sighs> Can you imagine if you're just like, I would like to begin being referred to as bro now. Yeah. Like, I'd like to enter into the phase of my life where everyone just knows me as bro. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had a friend that w- we were like skater kids, and he had some friend who had a really cool nickname. I forget what it was. It was cool. And like everybody skunk called or something? It. Something like that. I Skunk is such a oh, good I remember one. his full name. I don't remember his nickname. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from my MacBook mic. Sorry about that. That I now recall the friend's nickname was Crash. So super cool if you're a 12-year-old. Uh, back to the show. Um, but yeah, it was cool. So he was sort of into that. Like, ooh, maybe I could have a cool nickname. Maybe if I ask politely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it didn't how did how did Skunk engineer this wonderful situation? Right, exactly. Uh, uh, so we so did, Laricon uh, happened. Laricon happened. We're we're gonna we recorded a little like debrief with uh, Michael Dorinda and Jake Bennett. That's up. Yeah, that's up. Right. Is is it on our feed? No, it's on their feed. Right. Cool. Right. Yeah. So you've heard it. Yeah, listener. we were supposed to put on our feed, but I went into the woods after Laricon. So. <laughs> So if it wasn't clear, that little episode we did with the four of us is on North Meets South uh, podcast feed. If you don't listen to North Meets South, what are you actually doing uh, for real? So go listen to that. It was a great time. Um, now back to the show and uh, where Daniel sings to me. I'm up in the woods. Nice. And I'm building a still 
You know how to how to get right to my heart right there. Oh yeah, I just, just dug right in. Sing a little bit of Bony Vare. I took a little ice cream scoop and just took a chunk of your heart. Yeah, that's right. Plopped it on my head. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh so I launched Livewire at Laracon. You sure did at Laracon. Yep. So that was New launched. York City, the Big Apple, the PlayStation Theater. 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 Uh, yeah, so... A thousand so, people came to the theater today to see Caleb Porzio launch Livewire, his new Node.js framework for... I can't do it anymore. It was good. I was liking it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yep. How'd it go? No, uh, it went well. It went really well. Um, I think so, too. Yeah, I think it went decent. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what can I say? So I was going to charge for it. That was like... <laughs> I had different plans at different points in time. Two weeks after, I want to blog about all this because I've learned a ton in this process, and I think a lot of it's, uh, I don't know, interesting. <laughs> yeah. As I'm building this up, I'm realizing this is the perfect point for you to just like to to do what you did last time, or be like, and I think it's really interesting, and you'd be like, okay, or something yeah. like that. And then all I'd right, burst, guy. Yeah, right. And then I'd burst out laughing. <laughs> no, I also think it was interesting. That's why I'm not mocking you. Oh. Um, oh. I think uh, it's a weird place to be where you're like, I have a thing of great value, mm-hmm. but the only way anyone's going to know it's of great value is if it's free. Uh, yeah. So how do I make money? Well, <laughs> so the two weeks two weeks after I built it, probably one week into it, everybody was asking, when are you going to open source this? Is it open source? You know? Yeah. So day one, people that are was, asking. I hate that question, by the way. Why? I so Taylor just put up the source code for Laravel Cloud. Yeah. On the real ass internet on GitHub. Yeah, it's true. Uh a product, a paid product he built and never released because vapor happened. Yeah. Um and so he just puts the code for like a Taylor Otwell official stamp of approval laravel app the most recent one that you have the code for and he just puts it up on the internet for you to go learn at the feet of the master (laughs) and what are all of the comments are you gonna open source it is this open source is it it about to be open source what yeah i saw so many so it's just people people who what like I don't really know. Dumb. That's the thing. What are you getting out of this? Well, it's already open source. Did I miss something? No, it's on GitHub. They're asking if he's going to put it under a specific license so that they can do something with it. Oh, okay. Huh. Right? Like they yeah, don't, it's an they're archived not, they don't want to just or something. It's like locked. They don't want to just read the the thing. They want it, they want Taylor to now own another open source project that he has to devote his time to fixing their bugs. Yeah, I mean, so, in, in that situation, that definitely is off. But for this one, I get why people were saying it because I mean, it makes sense. It's a sensible thing to say. Like, I didn't, I didn't love it because it felt a little bit like I would assume if you were working on a giant secret project, like asking the question, "Is this going to be open source or whatever?" is I think okay. But there were so many people who said. When will this 
Like that's just the, the expectation. Yeah. yeah. I think I just have more grace for that person than you do. And I don't think that's that's necessarily a good thing. But but in my mind, I'm like... Grace is bad. I'm like, they are just not thinking this through. Like, yeah. maybe if they read a blog post where somebody said, hey, don't assume that, you know, that like every code effort where somebody you know like somebody pours in their time has to be open source they would go oh yeah i guess that i guess we have kind of gotten used to everything being open source and you know yeah i just imagine that that they just need to read like some thought piece and then and then they're fixed i mean i see the, the problem is that i think everything should be open source i just think you should also be getting paid a lot of money <laughs> so that it's it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to reconcile yeah so the interesting piece is that I thought that I was going to open source it. I thought, uh, no, I'm not going to do it right now. Maybe in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I think about me saying that, like the day I made that proof of concept, and then fast forward six months when six it still wasn't open source, are. it's hilarious yeah. that I just kept I kept putting it off, putting it off, but feeling guilty, feeling right. like a, a tiny bit, not not big time, but just like, oh, I got to make dang. this thing. Like, oh, I already kind of verbally said like two weeks, like. You know, one thing, um, next thing I do, I'm just not going to say anything like that. But I had a call. I had a, a very impactful call with, wow, shoot, Lucas Mitchett. Lucas Mitchett. He's um, the fourth top contributor to Laravel, the framework. He's been doing it forever, and he's right. been higher than, than that. Um, but so he's like, he's been in the framework, you know, forever. And anybody who follows the Lar- Laravel, like on GitHub for any time has seen his name. Um so he was kind enough to do a user test early on with Livewire with me. And he was just kind of like, he was super pumped about the project and he had a bunch of good advice. And one of his pieces of advice was like, dude, give it time. Like, don't open sources right now. He's like, launch it at Laracon. You're going to have all the hype then. You know, there is no rush for something like this. And like, I kept feeling this urgency and he's like, no, 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 no. Just let it ride and launch it and just hype the crap out of it. He's like, just go nuts, like write blog posts, videos, everything. Get it like really kind of like figured out and solid and then make it a big reveal. He's like, basically was like, have some showmanship. Like you don't have to yeah. just Which be you a did, slave to I the public. Which you did and I think was definitely the right move. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and I, that's <laughs> funny. I, I, I think I asked you right before maybe it was someone else i don't know in the green room now oh, i don't know did i ask you if i should open if i should launch it then or not you asked me like the day before you were like i'm kind of thinking about not yeah okay and i, I told you you were crazy yeah right so I, I was having i forget why i was having these doubts well so when i saw taylor's vapor talk and i thought okay so he's not actually launching it on stage he's revealing it and then he's you know then he has time so what i thought was if I if this was one giant tease, then I would get like tons of people on my email list. You know, like everybody in that audience would be like, "Oh, I'm going to sign up and, you know, hear when this is released." And then I right. have more people on the hook. Um right. and I also thought um I don't know, just general the, the like, "Oh, it's not ready, it's not ready. somehow, I, yeah." I could take my time and make it, you know, perfect. Um but but that that was a dumb little relapse and that's why I asked you to tell me that i was being an idiot and you did so yeah you were like oh definitely not no yeah you and i think and you committed to be i committed yeah, to people I, like that would be a, a dick move no doubt yeah that i think you did the right thing uh and i think even if you, even if it wasn't like you had to because you told people you would like i think it still was the the right move 
Like, I think fr- strategically, I like it as hmm. the move. Yeah, it's interesting because so I had a bunch of people in the repository privately. So I've been bringing people in since like week two. You know, I sure. would do a user test with them and then I would bring them into the repo. So that list has grown and grown. And I think it was up to like 80 something people um, that were collaborators in the private repository that had pulled the framework down and have, you know, used it a little bit. Um, so I'd had like a decent amount of issues and stuff, but not anything like I knew I would have if I really open sourced it. And I, it, right. it, it kind of, it, you get something for open sourcing it. Like if I charge for this thing, I would feel guilty. Every, all the issues that it has, I would feel guilty about, you know? Right. Like I'm selling something to someone that's defective, but it's a, right. it's a software product that hasn't been used in the wild. Um, yeah. So by open sourcing it, I get this gain of not feeling guilty about that and being yep. able to, to just whittle it down. I keep, I think of it like, like a stick with a bunch of jagged edges and you just keep whittling the jagged edges until you have this really smooth thing, sure. you know, like yeah. that's, that's what it is. And so, um, so GitHub, GitHub, uh, open sourcing it was the right way to go for me. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the issues right now and it's like, none of them are like, the world is crumbling. No, there was no, there were no show stopping issues. Besides that I had some weird tag that I accidentally tagged a while back. I accidentally tagged a V3 somehow a while back. Ooh. Um, there were collaborators in the project. So, How do you deal with that? So I launched it on stage, and then I put it in packages like right after. And then there was the issue like, doesn't work, can't pull down, you know, because everybody was getting V3, which is actually like, you know, a one-month-old one live wire. Gotcha. Um, but deleted that, got that straightened out, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, there's just little stuff now. Um, yeah. The, it's a hard thing because it's a front-end framework, you know? Right. Like, I wrote Vue.js, except right. with a different back-end. <laughs> right, exactly. There, So there's lots of things that, that are so deep that are just ridiculously, like, my, like, you really have to pay really, really close attention to specific things. Um, can I give you an example? Yes. Okay. So I need your eyes, Decol. I see you. I see okay. those eyes wandering. So Decol, here's the thing: when I type into an input box, yes. it's debounced by default with Livewire. Yes. Right. So I v- I wire model uh, name or something to this input box, and as I type name, the name property gets updated with an AJAX request. And it's debounced yes. by, let's say, 250 milliseconds. Sure. Okay. So I'm not sending a request on every keystroke. Correct. So there's all of these problems that come with debouncing an input like that. Exhibit Do A. Tell. I type something really fast and hit, let's say on that input box, I have a wire model name. So it's linked up with the name property. And I have yep. a wire key down dot enter submit. Okay. Yep. So I type, hey, enter to like type something fast and then hit enter right away, you know? Mm-hmm. So when that submit happens, it will not have received everything I just typed because that'll be, that input will have been debounced. So the enter key will hit first. And then after the 250 milliseconds, the oh, update. Oh, so the debouncing is actually on the update, not on, not just on the Ajax request. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The debouncing is on the actual input element. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I could, it would be the same problem. Well, there's so many different strategies. Like I, there's other issues. Like if you have an input element 
that's focused, but then you have a blur event, but you have a click event on something else. When you click that other thing, blur and click will happen around the same time within mm-hmm. like two milliseconds of each other. So you have to have some sort of queue to queue up actions within a buffer of like five milliseconds to send over to the back end. So anyway, my problem, my big problem was this, like if people type really fast and then hit enter or something like that, then it won't be the proper order, you know? Sure. Um, so basically I got really into debouncing yesterday and I wrote a debouncer that is scoped for a component so that if you hit enter, it will check and see if something is currently being debounced and I'll like have access to that debounced queue and then I'll like pop everything off the debounced queue and group it all together and then send it off. So That's cool. Yeah, so it actually works great, and it's it Hell feels yeah. really cool. Um, but it's the kind of thing that I was like, "How do you write a debouncer again?" And then you get into it, and you know, that's yeah. sick. Yeah, so lots of little so it's stuff just all like the, that. A lot what's of little that? fiddly stuff. What's that? A lot of fiddly stuff. Exactly. So that that's what's going on in the Liveware project, and that's why I like. I don't think people should necessarily. You can use it in a production project. Like, go for it. But I don't think Livewire is going to be really, really good for like another month. But when yeah. it when it happens, you know, and I'll tag it, whatever, I'll tag it. But uh, it's going to be good. I'm good. I'm excited. It's going to be rock solid. Awesome. Yep. Yep. So that's cool. So if anybody's listening, hop into the Livewire repo. I'm super active. Dude, like that's get what I in there. What's that? Get in there. Get in there. Like I'm in there. I read everything Pull it all down, the time. Play with it. So submit an stuff. issue if you have like a question or whatever. And I mean, I, I read pull requests like as soon as they're, I'm like merging things five minutes after they're submitted type deal. So right now I'm all I over s- it. So please. I started a live wire app and then work got insanely busy. Uh, yeah. And, but I, I have a blog post idea I'm working on. I've got the perfect live wire app as the demo for the blog post. Okay. Um, so, you know, people are always like, what podcast do you like? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, especially if they know that you make a podcast. Yeah. They're like, what are good podcasts? Mm -hmm. And it's just like a terrible question because you're like, number one, I don't know what podcast you already listen to. So if I start with like, whoa, like this American life is pretty good. You're like, oh, I already listened to this American life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard of Serial? Um, But if I. Yeah, it's just like it's a hard question to answer. And. What I always want, end up doing, if it's someone who I like, is I open Overcast on my phone and I hand it to them. Nice. And I'm like, these are the podcasts I listen to. Yeah. And But that doesn't work on the internet. Uh, so you have OPML feeds, which are giant XML documents that your podcast client can export uh, that include all the shows you subscribe to, which episodes you've listened to, all this other metadata. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, there's tons of libraries for parsing those and all this other stuff so my idea was you make a uh, you just parse an OPML feed and then you just get a list of shows mm-hmm. right and then you allow people to drag those shows uh, around in a li- or rate sorry rate those shows and then they would get ranked by rating, and then uh, tag those shows, and then display a list of shows that you could sort by various attributes or filter by tags. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So if I if someone's like, hey, what developer podcast do you listen to? I could go to the place where I've imported my OPML feed. And I could say, only show me the ones over three stars. Only show me the ones tagged with developer. Rank them in order of my ratings. And then I could send them a link and it would be all of my favorite developer podcasts in order. Yeah. Um, the reason it would be good... So the OPML feed has nothing to do with LiveWire, obviously. Um, but what would be good about it is... Where does the OPML is, feed come from? Uh, your podcast client can export it. So people... So almost, like if I wanted to you know, join this social network... I would have to go into you wouldn't have to. on my no. phone. You could you could go add shows individually or pocket casts. You can you right, could okay. you could add your own shows. Yeah, individually. okay, cool. Right. It, this would just be a convenient way to import all your shows, I which you. is what I would want. Yeah. Um, but the idea there should be the, you should have a QR code. Is you know as lame as QR codes can be. If you mm-hmm. if it was just like import your shows and there was a QR code, scan it with my phone. It opens up some browser URL that knows how to like triggers pocket cast to export the opml feed and upload it so this is possible but it's really hard because you never know what clients people have sure and some of them have things and some of them don't but anyway um long story shorter man uh the the places where livewire would be great for this are star ratings right sure you like click the star rating it updates on the page it sends something up to the server comes back down whatever um also uh tagging right so you can add and remove tags yeah from a show like you could click into the tag open you know whatever all of that like server back and forth stuff that you would normally do with ajax Mm -hmm. could be handled by livewire um you could even I don't know I was thinking about adding like like a little comments field so that you could say like this is why I like this show, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a review but more of like a recommendation note or something. Yeah, um, and uh, all of that could be live wired up to the server. Yeah, um, and uh, and then on the display side, like sorting, filtering, searching. Uh, yeah. All of that is just like Livewire City. Like that's what it's good at. Yep. Um, And so I liked it because there's like, there's two, it's like the two use cases for Livewire, like the sort of create use case and the show use case. Yeah. Are both, you know, like there's the one where it's like really useful for the show use case of like, I have a table of, it's like forms and tables, like you always say, right? Yeah. It's like, there's the form use case of like, you know, creating your list and setting it up and adding tags and doing all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the table of like, here's a list of things, do stuff with it. Um, yep. So I was just like, what's a good index thing? Well, every app I make should be podcasts and episodes because those are the only two models that matter. Um, and people ask me all the time what podcasts I listen to. So this is a good little solution. And it's pretty simple to make. I dig it. Uh, excluding the OPML part, but that will be fun. So now, hopefully this weekend I have time, because uh, this Sick. week has turned into a hellhole. But this weekend, I think I should have time to work on it, and uh, this is going to be the my Titan Livewire blog post Sick. demo app. I want to yeah. help you with it. I would love for you to help me with it. Like, at most... 
we should live stream working on this. At <sighs> least you should like ping me every time you come across anything. Yeah. That you're like, so how would I do this? Or how would you do this? Yeah. Or what would be the best yeah. way? That yeah, would be man. Sick. Yeah. I mean, we could, you know, shape the framework. I need a good project to like really, you know. Yeah. Really hunker down and, you know, use it in. Um, yeah. Dude, we should do it. That would be dandy for real. That would be real dandy. And that so then be. every time, here's here's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, every time I commit, I'm going to explain the whole feature and record it. Right? So, like, every time I, like, I like close a pull request or something yep. to, like, add a feature, I'm going to sit down and be like, okay, so then here's how this works. So, we, we add this and blah, blah, blah. And then what I should be able to do is take all of those videos and piece them together into a, uh, like, demo of Livewire. Sweet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, and it should so be really simple. I'm thinking I think about the... breaking this up into a couple of posts. So maybe doing one for the form and one for the table. If you, the way to do this best in terms of a tutorial or blog post or even live streaming would be for you to have all the models finished. Yeah. Um, and all of and the. just add live wire to it. Mocks done. Yeah. Yeah. So that like when we go to do it, you have either like blade components or just straight up blade files that like here's the table and the list of podcasts here, you know, because that's the stuff that that would bog down the education part of it, you know, is just the messing around. Yeah, exactly. And would make the whole process feel feel long, you know, but if yeah. you like really nailed everything but the actual like functionality of it, um, yeah. specifically Specifically the design stuff, you know, if you had all the design stuff and the front end stuff done, then this would be way right. more if, teachable. If we already had the form and table like laid out. Totally. Yep. And we're already, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but that would take some, you know, discipline or, but I think it would be a good discipline. Um, totally. Yeah. Dude, I think that's sweet. That's really cool. Sweet. I like it. Um, Taylor releasing that, that Laravel cloud thing, which like Daniel oh, mentioned, yeah. it's out there. And I put this in my things I don't want to forget exists wonder list and it deserves that seat. Like it's, oh um, yeah, it's the kind of thing that's like, oh, if I close this tab, I'm going to forget this exists and then I'll never go back and really dig through it. But, um, I'm sure it's an absolute gold mine. I used to think, I used to think, okay, so Taylor wrote Laravel. That's great. But it's possible that people are better at using Laravel than him, you know? Like, it's likely that he spends more time thinking about, um, like, problems specific to the framework, you know? That yeah, are well, a they different say Pavarotti's, Pavarotti's teacher couldn't uh, hit a note. What's that? Walk me through it. Pavarotti. Don't know. Uh, is, uh, Some Greek guy? I believe, like, a famous, no, like a famous opera singer. Okay. They say his teacher couldn't hit a note. Oh, he just just knew enough to to you know tell Pavarotti how to be Pavarotti. That is an important not, concept. Not in enough life. to be Pavarotti himself, right? Like at first, like like a or like sports coaches that haven't played, like a college football coach that hasn't played college football, right? You know, um, there should be more of those. 
There should be more Laravel developers who are like the head coach of, you know, the Minnesota Vikings or something. <laughs> Definitely. Without not enough. You know Moneyball. Moneyball is like the movie about that. About like non-sports people applying Yeah, it's basically like to... so it's uh Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Brad Pitt is like a sort of washed up uh baseball coach right baseball player and coach and he's he's good but he's old now Mm -hmm. and uh he's kind of his career's on the decline and uh it's like where is it going to go from here and he gets a chance to be the general manager for the oakland a's um and uh, he gets there and there's like a kid in the finance department uh who is like a big nerd and it's jonah hill um Jonah Hill's a big baseball nerd, and he uh, basically comes up with this theory that there's only one statistic that matters in baseball, and it's on-base percentage. Um, Because how do you get runs? You get people on bases, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, all these other teams are optimizing for bad things, like slugging percentage and batting average and all this stuff but you don't care Mm. about someone's batting average if they get hit by pitches a lot that's good they got on base if they walk a lot that's great and so they start getting these players who are super cheap because they have like a 193 batting average or whatever but they get walked like every other at bat Mm -hmm. so their on base percentage is huge um and so they they end up like because they have no budget you know and uh they end up winning the World Series with like this ragtag band of band of guys based on statistics. So it's like Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill plus math equals victory. Nice. Yeah. I don't think they actually win. I think they they lose the World Series, but they get to the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great, great, great movie. Definitely recommend it. Yeah. I've it's seen it. It's kind of like the the Nate Silver uh you know, like 538 politics. Yeah, yep. Guy. It's like Nate Silver baseball. Who's Nate Silver? Does he run Nate Silver's like the guy from 538. Okay. Who, if you ask me, he's kind of a, kind of a loser. But yeah, that's another another problem for another time. Okay. Um, yeah, so Taylor could be uh, Jonah Hill. No, no. Yeah, it's in your head. You're it's, like, oh, maybe Taylor's Jonah Hill. Or Taylor's Brad or, Pitt. Maybe hard hard to tell. That, I don't know that with it fits. baseball. <laughs> I don't know that it fits with with Moneyball. <laughs> Point is that that you're not sure outs- whether Taylor's good at making Laravel apps or not. Exactly. Like Taylor has a ton of experience making Laravel. Yeah, he's definitely good at making frameworks. Yeah, and he has Forge and some other stuff for sure. But you know, is he in the trenches? Um, experiencing like really diverse problems and using Laravel to solve them, there's probably a thousand people who have more experience building Laravel apps than I think most people have. Most people who've been in it for any amount of time have more experience building Laravel apps than Taylor. That's not true because well, of Forge. Think about but... it this way, right? Think about it this way. Everyone who works full-time in the Laravel ecosystem uh, who isn't a Laravel core maintainer spends more time working on Laravel apps than Taylor does Taylor because does. Taylor spends some portion of his full time yeah, working sure. on Laravel itself, not on apps. Yeah. 
So I always thought that, you know, it's very possible that he is not that we go, oh, a, a, a app built by Taylor that like that might not be actually that valuable to me, you know, that. It, yeah. Um, uh, the, the conclusion is, is I think it is. It is. And totally. after He's after great. writing Livewire, it sort of showed me that like, OK, people will use this more than me in applications but like i at least I right always now know how to use it best. i really believe i'm the best person to at writing a live wire app. i do yeah i mean it's really early so that's an easy thing to say but just having like really understanding it because i don't know something about me like doubted that i would be that that I would be the best person to like consult Livewire or like make an educational course or something. Um, but I really think that I'm the best person, you know, it like helps. Yeah. Me well, with... And I think a lot of, a lot of the, what makes you good at building an app with a tool is just knowing what the tool can do. Right. Exactly. And you know what Livewire could do. And, and knowing Taylor how knows it what Laravel like on a really do. atomic level. Yeah. Yeah is is huge so so it is interesting seeing people build things and then show me what they built and how they did it um their brains work a little bit differently than me you know because they don't have all the the underlying knowledge so um this is my framework there are many like it but this one is mine (laughs) what's that is that some adapted like quote don't worry about it yeah it's a it's a quote from so like in in some branch of the military they they give you this whole there's like a whole like dramatic poem about having a gun where people are like this is my rifle there are many like it but this one is mine it's a whole poem about like taking care of your gun hmm. um but anyway this is my framework there are many like it but See, this talking one is with mine. you Cole, it's like you know when you you know you listen to a podcast with two guys that just have a ton of inside jokes yeah. And like if you're not in on them, it's like, you know, like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. But you just I have, have a, a ton of inside, of inside jokes. jokes with yourself. And I have some too. <laughs> with me. Yeah. But uh, well, the, the so I don't get you, them. Caleb, so I feel like the that's thing a with better you thing. The thing is that you get, you get more of my inside jokes than anyone else probably. Uh, there's maybe maybe a few of my other college friends and stuff get more of them. <laughs> but like we had very similar uh, formative years. And so there's a lot of just references I can throw out. It's true. That uh like I could just say free armor trimming and you would know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? No one else in the world is gonna know what I, I mean when I just say people are laughing right now. Yeah. They like know. Yeah, like I could be like at a gas station and someone could be trying to scam me and I would just be like free armor trimming and get in my car and leave. And that person would have no clue what I was talking about. Um but if you were there, you would think it was hilarious, know. and we would drive off into the sunset and go get a piece of pizza. It's true. Yeah. Oh, it's very true. So I always got to try them with you because I never know what you're actually right. going to get and what you're not going to get. Yep, and I appreciate it. And I don't yeah, like sure. I like I don't want to just move past. Like I try not to just move past yeah. them if try I catch and address them. Address the reference. Yeah, like address the reference. Like I wonder why. Maybe I do that because if I don't address it, there's a potential. You know when you like drop a reference and then somebody kind of like chuckles and moves on and you're like, oh, you don't get it, but you like, you kind of think you should or something, so you pity laughed me. You yep. know, like it's such a a really bad place for both parties to yeah. be in. It's like, oh, I can tell you're going for something, right? Just but, not sure what you're going for. Yeah, and it's either like but I'm, I'm too embarrassed you... to ask, 
or like i don't really feel like asking yeah or something so i just thought like maybe that's just my mode is like i'll just ask directly every time sure so i will not be made a fool by you and i will not make you a fool so caleb so decal would you be interested in paying some bills oh the bills the bills let's pay some bills let's pay some bills uh, this is when we it goes code chip is a i'm doing the full stack radio like yep 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 yeah um i'm trying to think of what's uh i bet a lot of people know some of his sponsorship slots because it's like the same thing yeah right like what was there's code chip but then there's there's one that he's done forever roll bar roll bar <laughs> yes oh. um so so we're we gonna do a music break sponsor honey badger right. is our sponsor honey badger uh honey badger is our first ever sponsor on no place to merge we figured we needed to make some money off of this thing uh and uh, Honey Badger graciously stepped up to the table and said they wanted to sponsor us. Uh, so, Caleb, you actually played with Honey Badger uh, a little bit. Uh, what's your report? So I did. Um, my report is, you guessed it, success. Honey Badger yeah. is great. This is like confirmation bias. Like, well, yeah, if it was a sucky experience, would I tell you? No. But you have to take my word for it. <laughs> that it was actually great so i pulled it in and within so i did this within um like i don't know 30 seconds like you put in your email password you log on you hit laravel you get like three commands that you run like composer require um you add a little snippet to your handler.php and then you run you know some like uh honey badger install and then they give you some id you just copy and paste it and it links up and it tells you right away like we're linked and we're good so the onboarding experience is like really, really good. Um, one thing I thought of while I'm saying this, like uh, I don't want to shout out specific competitors, <laughs> but like another Honey Badger competitor that I've used for years and years and years, when you onboard, that link isn't made until you report one error. And that, right. that can be annoying to like... Because you don't know if it works. Exactly. So there's this yeah. gap there that every time I set up with a project I experience, but with Honey Badger, you run the series of commands and Honey Badger makes the link for you which is really, really cool. So right away you get this feedback that's like instant and Honey Badger's like, you're linked, you're good, we're ready to go. So it was definitely by far the smoothest error tracking onboarding experience I've had. So yep. plus so one there. Cool. What, so what, the, what they mostly do is exception monitoring, uptime checks, and monitoring stuff. That um, was the other thing. Uptime checks is a bonus. I used to use like Pingdom and there's a couple other ones that like all I want is for something to hit specific endpoints every so often hit make sure any endpoint and make sure the freaking app works you know yeah so it's super and simple it's cool because that previously would just be two apps right like you would have something doing exception handling or error monitoring and something doing like a random curl of your homepage every once in a while exactly so that's done and there's heartbeats which envoyer has but i don't use envoyer in every project and i use like so i when i don't use envoyer I'm a little bummed because there's no heartbeat monitoring, which is so with your cron job in Laravel, your scheduler, when you do like run every five minutes, you can tag on, I forget what it is, like and ping or something like that. And you pass in an endpoint. And then every time your cron job runs, every time that thing runs, 
it will ping an endpoint and be like, hey, I ran. So Envoy has this heartbeat monitoring like built into it, which is really nice. Um, but uh, Honey Badger offers it too. And it's called, what is it called? It's called like health check. Check-in monitoring? Check-in monitoring. So, yeah. so, so you have like extra bonuses outside of just the bug tracking that is uptime monitoring and check, checking monitoring, which is really nice. Yep. And uh, th- they're sponsoring us for four episodes. So we'll tell you more about what they do uh, over the next couple episodes. Uh, but one thing I just wanted to shout out too is their customer support is handled by software engineers. Which means if you have a problem and you have to talk to their support, you're talking to a programmer, which is pretty pretty cool. Sweet. I dig. <sighs> all right. And so, that's all for yeah, our sponsors. Thanks again. Thanks, Honey Badger. Uh, back to the show. That's right. <laughs> I think that was great. If I was Honey Badger, I would be I'd pay so me. happy with my money that I had just spent. That's right. Um... Okay, back to the show. So we launched LiveWire, um, and then I went into the woods right away. So right, right. after the launch, which I kind of realized was a bad idea like a week before. Uh, no, I thought I think it was a great idea. It turned out to be a great idea, but I made sure... It, you set expectations that you are not the type of guy who's going to fix your issue within 30 seconds of submitting it. <laughs> I added something to the like issue and pull request template that was like, hey... Just so you know. I'm in the woods. I'm in the woods. Um, which So this trip is particularly off-grid. Like, this, is, this isn't, like, like chill camping on-grid. This was, like, you know, like, you can't... There's no reception at all. Um, fishing trip. So uh, so I put Logan Henson in charge of Livewire. I added him. Um, Mr. Logan Henson. Oh, my, oh, my. That guy. What a guy. He is a guy. He really is. So thank you, Logan, for keeping the ship afloat. And he did, which is great. Yep. Big stuff from the Logster. That's right. So, D. Cole, uh, what else? What's up? Not much, man. I, uh, I'm i just kind of decompressing still. New York really did it to me. Did it? Like, it was a, it was a tiring Laracon. Yeah. I think it was the yelling. I lost my voice. Yeah, I, I never lose my voice so much. It was so crowded. Yeah, and there's so many people. There were a lot. It was of the people. biggest Laracon ever. Uh, just huge. Yeah, a lot of yelled conversations, and e- even like in Chicago, if you went outside to have a conversation, it was quiet. And that venue here, was massive. Yeah, here if you go outside to have a conversation, you're in Times Square. So you're yelling anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, so it's, it's it like way crazy. more peaceful inside PlayStation Theater. Yeah, ironically. than outside. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. But it was great. I really enjoyed the venue. I thought it was great. And the design was amazing. Everything was great. I thought it was a great conference. Totally. The theming, I wonder how good it, it would have off been the without... Hook. Off the hook. It was off the hook. It was one of the highlights of the conference, no doubt. Jack McDade is just too legit. Also, the contrast of the visual aesthetic of the conference and then the visual aesthetic of Laravel 6 that was is a stark contrast. Beautiful. Like I loved it because it was like like when he changed the slide to like that white with red 6. Yeah. I was like, "Ooh, 
hello. That, like, that was a cool moment. And that, that moment was it, cool. It felt very Steve Jobsy. It did, yeah. Where I was like, ooh, like something's happening here. And then it really felt like, like because we were so seeped in that sort of like synthwave 80s aesthetic of the conference yeah getting hit with something like clean and white and like johnny ive white world type of design was very like huh i could see this going really like not that there was anything like bad about jack's designs like i think they were excellent but it really did feel like like a transition in design because we were so steeped in like the current era of the design, yeah. which was the conference design. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. I liked it. I did liked like that as well. And that was a really nice reveal. Um, yeah. That animation, that animation with the tubes, the blood on tube. The Laravel, oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I wonder how they did that. I have no idea. We should dive. We should dive it after the show oy, oy. um yeah animations that's a thing that's like it's an easy win it can be an easy win um it's a win it's a win it's not always an easy one right it's a win um and i always wonder how people do it because there's so many different ways to animate it's like okay are you doing could be a video could be um could be a gif could be an svg that's animated it could be right. some weird, like, it could be, uh, what's that JavaScript library with the superhero, the green sock? Yep. could be, like, green sock or that tool that you can convert After Effects that Jeffrey Way uses. Oh, You yeah. can convert After Effects to, um, to, to like, SVG animation. Yeah, that's absolutely bonkers that you can do that. Um, that yeah, is wild. Unfair, really. It's really unfair. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Or... My favorite animation library known to man, I think it's called, oh, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's called Animate. But it's my favorite. It's Animate my favorite. Plus. Animate Plus. <laughs> and it's written by the guy who, he's one of the lead guys at Stripe, Stripe's front end. And Stripe's nobody great. knows about this thing. Like, it's the simplest little tool. But this guy is just a baller. And he put out this little package. And it's like the perfect animation library because it's super simple and speaks to like developers it's really easy to use so i use it for the floating jellyfish in the the live wire framework thing nice yeah i like that floating jellyfish yeah super easy with animate plus your uh your jellyfish is very popular with my wife oh really she enjoys it yeah nice she thinks it's very cute and i said yeah i was like you know that scuba mask was my idea right <laughs> <laughs> was it yeah i was like you have to put this thing in a scuba mask I don't remember, but I believe you. It happened. It happened. It must have. So the new stickers. So you'll yeah. get them. You'll get the new stickers. I got the old ones. I've got three packs of the you old got ones. The old ones. Two, two you gave me at the conference. One arrived at my house in an envelope. Super disappointing for me. Um, it's fine. A lot of people love them. A lot of kind words. Thank you, everybody. But even now, I'm holding them in my hand right now. And they're just not at all what I want them to be. But... Yeah. I ordered $1,000 worth of stickers from Sticker Mule, and they came in while I was gone. And so I've spent a total of four hours so far sorting through stickers, and will continue to spend more hours sorting through stickers because it's my labor of love. Um, 
You do love labor. I do. And as I'm sorting through them, I love them. Like they're exactly yeah. what I want. They feel good. They feel great. They look uh, great. Mule. They feel great. The colors are on point. Like it's incredible how on point they are. So to see Caleb, we should do an interview with like the founder of Sticker Mule. Yeah. Cuz like you talk about building a product, like how do those guys make the best stickers ever? Yeah. How does nobody else make a good sticker except for that? <laughs> I know. It's kind of like, ridiculous. It seems like, like can we seems just like find a market the... that would be rife with competition. You'd think the margins must be insanely good. I'm insanely low. Oh no, I think they are making great margins. You do? Yeah. I don't. I think it costs them four cents to make a sticker. Yeah, but what about the labor packaging, all that? They have to make custom right, right. dyes. They have to do yeah. like proofing and custom dyes and everything. The custom I wonder dyes how they do that. Hard. Like if they do that digitally yeah. somehow. But their dyes are perfect. Like I told you, these Chinese dyes, these Alibaba dyes, Mm -hmm. it's like a four-year-old with a crayon made the dye. And that's what we're dealing with. But Sticker Mule is like razor sharp. It's on point. Totally. On point. Yeah. So shout out to our next sponsor who hasn't sponsored us yet. Thank you, Sticker Mule. (laughs) uh, Such a good, such a good Here's your free sponsorship, Sticker Mule. Um, Yeah, they are phenomenal. Here's the thing. You can go on Sticker Mule. I'm about to give away a trade secret here. Woo. Here it comes. You can go on Sticker Mule. And you got to dig a little bit. But you probably don't have to dig. You can get sample packs of stickers. You can pay like five bucks or something. And they send you a random sample pack of stickers. Which is fun. Uh-huh. You want a handful of GitHub stickers for five bucks? Do it. It's great. Or you can custom order sample stickers. You get, I think it's like nine stickers for $9 free shipping. And you can upload your own designs. It's like this is the epitome Whoa. of short-run custom stickers. So for 10 Whoa. bucks, you can get 10 custom stickers that you design and print. This is what I did for the Laravel sticker contest. Instead of ordering a big run, I just you ordered just like... samples? Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Because it was just easier. And You're mad so mad. you can just do that. Like this is... I want to make like a drop shipping site where... You just pick your stickers. I throw them into the sticker mule order form, have them sent to you, charge 20 bucks, and then yeah. make 10 bucks off it and just get filthy rich on stickers. That would be cool. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Yep. And, but it would arrive in that sticker mule packaging, though. No problem. I'll call myself Whatever. Sticker Horse or something, and no one will know the Ooh. difference. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so really quick i also want to cover more news in my personal life personal so i sliced news. my finger Caleb open Porzio. before laricon oh yeah oh yeah you had the q-tips yeah so i splinted my finger in q-tips because with the sharpest knife i own that has rust on it i sliced my finger open probably to you the good, bone good on your tetanus shot no i don't think so but i wasn't super worried about it because that's my general approach to injuries, which is probably not the best. Right. Um, Hannah like called the doctor and she's like, "We're gonna figure out if you had a tetanus shot." But I'm about I'm going on a plane in like less than 24 hours, so I'm like, I'll just you know I clean it out, I wrap it up, and it's right on a knuckle, so I can't bend my finger. Yep. Anyway, I'm able to do the talk without the splint. I did the whole thing. Then I get home and immediately go on a trip, a fishing trip. And I snorkel a bunch on this trip because the water is super clear. So you can like right. really see a bunch of fish. And my goal was 
to make a spear. Sure. Just like arrive there and make a spear out of things and spear fish, which I used to try when I was a kid to no mm-hmm. avail. But I thought I'm older now and I'm smarter. So that's going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, tons of snorkeling, make it through like the whole trip. Last day, I get a fish with a spear, which you probably saw on <gasps> no Twitter. No way. I did. I speared a fish successfully. I didn't see it on Twitter. It's been one of those weeks. It's been one of those weeks where I don't see a lot of Twitter. Wow. It's rough. Wow. That is rough, man. You got to get your priorities right. I know. You need to focus. So anyway, you spear a fish. So I spear a fish and I kind of couldn't believe it myself. It was a perch, you know, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. But I speared it and it stuck on and, you know, I had the fish. And then immediately after I'm like, I figured it out. I got to go spear more fish. And I have to, I end up like hitting a rock and I bend one of the, uh, the like thing. So I'm underwater and I bend one of the prongs like back, but it slips and I whack my finger and it reopens in like river water and oh, starts God. like bleeding. Sharks come and not what? Joking, but okay. fresh water. It was like river. <laughs> yeah. River sharks. So anyway, reopen the whole wound hurts like hell. Now it's like at super risk of being infected. Yeah, because it was just in a river. Clean it all out. Get home. Unpacking the car. Propane tank falls from the car. On your finger? Onto my my toe. Now we're oh. past the finger. Propane <laughs> tank falls onto my toe with the edge, that metal edge, full propane oh, tank. Oh, no. From four feet up, falls onto my toe. It's the kind of thing where you're like, well, I just broke my toe. <laughs> yeah. So I Did like, you? No. I, I laid up the whole day of worst agony, uh, go to the emergency room the next day, not fractured, but... They had to like drill into my nail and relieve all the pressure, all the like blood internal bleeding, which was causing all. So like, they drill into oh. my nail, they like squeeze it all out, and it just hurt so bad. Um, and then they're like, "Have you had a tetanus shot?" And I'm like, "Why would I need a tetanus shot?" And they're like, "Well, you don't know with internal bleeding, something like that. I don't know." So he's like, "So we'll get you a tetanus shot." And I was like, "Do these things work retroactively?" <laughs> Because yeah. hypothetically, if I cut my finger with a rusty knife and then dove into a river, would this cover it? And he's like, yeah. So cool. it all worked out in the end. But I just wow. wanted to tell you that. Just so that you knew. I read this book. I read this book called The Great Leap. My therapist recommended it. You'd probably like it. Okay. Uh, it's a book about, I don't know, it's kind of a self-help book, but it's... Uh, sort of about the concept of like making a big jump which is kind of where you're at in your life um making a significant change um and uh this guy has this whole theory called upper limit there's an upper limit problem okay and it gets a little bit woo woo and this is exactly where it gets woo woo his theory is uh we're accustomed to only being a certain amount of happy or to things only going a certain amount of good, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if things start to go too well, we get uncomfortable because we're now out of our comfort zone and we're operating in a in a zone where we don't know the rules and we're not comfortable in a world where things are going this well. Okay. Um, and so we will subconsciously sabotage that effort. And uh, mm-hmm. so he talks about all of his clients, how like, they'll land like a major business deal and then get injured. Oh, wow. And he's like, my theory is that people tend to get injured after something really big and good happens because they've hit their upper limit of what they're comfortable with and they need to bring things back into 
the zone they're comfortable with. So all I'm saying is it makes perfect sense that you slice your finger open right before you release live wire. And then it makes perfect sense that you reopened it and then dropped a propane tank <laughs> on your foot immediately after releasing live wire. Because you're just not that comfortable with being happy, Caleb. And it's okay. You deserve to be happy. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think the book's kind of... Uh, there's some good stuff in there. There's also a lot of like, woo-woo, I wrote a self-help book and I need to fill 80 more pages, so let me make yeah, up some yeah. stuff. You know? I mean, I, I buy some of that. You know, I don't know. I don't know about the propane tank. Or not? No, it's but, definitely. You, know, it's, you dropped a propane tank right. because of Livewire. It's true, um, but that concept, I totally imagine that there's, yeah, that uh, I mean that it probably is at the root of like so many people have self-destructive tendencies. I have tons of self-destructive tendencies. Totally. Espe- and yeah, and especially when things are going really well, I think there's definitely that sort of what's a good word for that? Because I always want to say Stockholm syndrome, but that's when you like fall in love with your captor, right? Like you like empathize yeah. with the person who's like sure, but like uh-huh. I mean it's some it's sort of resembling that when you're like you know when you're so used yeah, you're to like addicted to the baseline to self flagellation or or something yeah. you're just like yeah and then yeah I just think of it as like a fear of success like and mm. I definitely have it like when things are going well that's when I'm gonna oversleep and miss a meeting hmm you know like. I'm ne- I never like oversleep and miss a meeting when I when everything's bad. Interesting. I do it when it's like things are great. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Success uh, is an interesting thing. The more I've had of it, which isn't uh, isn't a ton, but enough. Uh-huh. You know, there is a delta between me ten years ago and me now. Sure. And any amount of like every time you achieve anything or move up a notch your baseline has adapted because you just, your brain adapts like, like the hedonic treadmill, like, you know, you get the fancier car and then you don't care. Like you think it's going to change your life. Like you're buying this, the proposition of living a better life. You get the car, you're used to it. And then you want the next luxury, that sort of thing. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, people say that's true of success. I, I've definitely felt it as somewhat true of success, but I think I've experienced directly that just having a different mentality like uh, Max and I were talking about this in the airport, how like rich kids, like forget about like actual tangible privilege, but just kind of believe, just having a baseline of like belief in success, I really think impacts people in their success. Like just in in a very practical way, like you've seen what successful people charge. So you charge that. So you charge a successful rate where there's, I think that's right. huge. So many people. I was just talking to a guy the other day who we went to school together and now he's a web developer and we're talking and this guy charges peanuts and he's so insecure yeah. about it. And like, I've had, I need people like you, like I'm sure we've mentioned on the show, like you're my big experience of getting to Titan and being like, you know, like you being like, all right, I'll just tell you how much I make. I asked for this yeah. and I'm like, what dude? So then my yeah. next six month review, I'm like, yo, I want this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yep. So just like needing somebody to tell you like, yo, I charge this. Yeah, you can go get this much money. Yeah, you can yeah. go get this much money. And then you're like, no way. But now that you've seen it, you believe it. So you do yeah. it. And everything just changes just because your mindset changed. Not because anything changed, but your mindset. And I think yeah. that's huge. You know Agreed. What I'm 
So that that's um, a, a practical tip for the audience. If you're a freelancer and you're charging less than like seventy five an hour, right? It's also um, I was I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, I don't speaking of success in a way that's not just cash money income yeah um i don't thrive on a project where i'm alone Hmm. right if there's a project where i'm the one making features yeah and nobody else's i don't do good Hmm. um and i think it's because i don't see other people like I lose track of A, I lose track of the pace. And B, I lose track of the creative problem solving. Okay. Um and yeah, I think yeah. I need another person to act as like a foil for me to push them and them to push me on a project because I I can like just lose my reference points. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just like I'll think that something is a massively difficult problem sometimes. Yeah. And then realize if if there was another person on the project, somehow I would have solved it in an hour. But if it's just me, I can spin it into a whole day, you know? And it's like the whole frame of reference kind of goes out the window for me uh when I don't have someone to a compare my work to like i feel like i thrive it's not really even competition but i kind of thrive on like comparing what i'm doing to what someone else is doing absolutely am i measuring up am i getting enough done is my code clean enough you know stuff like that and then uh also just having someone to validate my thoughts and say like no you're allowed to go down this rabbit hole like this is a weird rabbit hole, but it does seem like kind of a good idea. Is like that is the most empowering thing to hear from someone. Cuz you're like, "Okay, cool. Now I'm I'm being permit I'm being given permission to like be creative because it doesn't seem like this is a waste of time." Whereas me personally, if it's just me on a project, I can sit there and be like, "That's a rabbit hole, man." And knowing me, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and waste eight hours. Yeah. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I'm going to stay here on the surface in the light, and I'm going to add another field to that table. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you don't have to do that. So it, it, other people are very important in to me in, like, succeeding, quote, unquote. I mean, Whereas I someone that's... like Taylor, I feel like... I mean, he does run things by a lot of people, but like, it does seem to me like Taylor goes away and manifests goodness. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I I think that is very true. Which and you you just made Livewire basically in a vacuum. Yep. I think. I how mean, did, uh, how did it feel? And the last pro- the project you're working on a Titan was. Um, I mean, I had like a, a PM, but I didn't have any code. You know, all the code was me. Um, it felt like it was made in a vacuum, even though it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I think I really like working alone. Um, I recognize the benefits of working with people. Like you're saying, there is no doubt that frame of reference benefit 
those those sanity checks the accountability motivation all that stuff uh just having another brain you know all that stuff is like super helpful and i acknowledge that but my default mode is to go off uh yeah into the into the vacuum and and work on stuff like when i'm pairing a lot of times i i really i kind of like pairing but i kind of hate it because often i know i just need to think like i need i need to just not have to talk this out or have to like work this out with yeah. somebody and you shouldn't pair too much that's for sure and you should be always be like all right let's stop pairing for four hours now yeah whenever i get to you a know? hard problem i'm i'm most of the time better off uh, it's hard to say because i definitely have reached tons of breakthroughs with people but there's a decent amount of time where like i just need i need a break like i just need me i just need even 10 minutes to so i can think without any pressure and mm-hmm. and come up with something but yeah, Livewire was this insane experiment in working on something over a long period of time and taking my time on big problems. And I think it's like life-changing. I really do. Like I think it's nice. it's definitely changed my life like when I encounter a big problem now, I instead of being scared of it or anything, now I think I will I will solve this problem. Like I will conquer this. It will take a while. I'm going to sit with it, you know. I'm going to try mm-hmm. it. I'm going to try a solution. And I'm going to backpedal a little bit, but I'm going to have it rolling around and tumbling in the rock tumbler over time. And eventually, I love the rock tumbler. Yeah. Eventually it'll come out a, be- a beautiful smooth. butterfly. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely like, I feel like I really internalize that with live wires, like working for a long time on a hard problem and working casually on it you know sometimes deeply but sometimes like really laying off the gas i would love to work casually on something it is a powerful thing my friend yeah ziggy was like that ziggy was casual um but yeah it's it's hard to find something to work casually on that you care about Hmm. like it's hard to care a lot about something and work on it casually yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah it's uh yeah Talk to me about the idea of working casually. Is that just a mindset? Or are there like real things in the world by which you... Like if I was looking at you and didn't know what you were thinking, Mm -hmm. is there a way that I could tell by like your git commits and your hours that you were quote unquote working casually? Oh, Um, yeah. I mean, long breaks. (laughs) I've taken some decent breaks from working on it. Um, But... Yeah, so like one example, I have an open branch for a feature that I think is the missing link for Livewire. And this started out as a point of stress for me. I was like, What's the feature? It's the protected uh, properties that get stored in the session instead of passed back and forth. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. So initially I thought, this is an issue. And then it started to morph into like, okay, well, this isn't like an issue with the framework. This is a problem that I can solve. And then I had a couple solutions. Well, I had a solution. And I went towards that solution, which introduced a new set of problems. And then I sort of tackled those problems and wasn't happy with the solution. So then I kind of backed out and was like, I'm not happy with where this is going, but I need this to happen. Like, I need this to work. It has to. So I'll just yep. let it sit. And then at Laricon, I had an idea. I think at Laricon, I don't know. But, but it's something that, like, I'll just think about over time. And I came up with a new strategy that I think is better than the current strategy. I haven't even implemented it yet, but it's just in my mm. head. And so, and I think it's better. It's not perfect, 
but I'm approaching something that's good enough. Um, and so it's kind of always in my head. And then eventually when I strike, when it strikes me, then I'll implement it. So I guess in, in terms of like tangible evidence of this process, it would just be like long standing <laughs> whips, you know, long feature branches. <laughs> Yeah, and dirty socks, dirty socks, dirty, long lots of branches. dirty laundry. That's that's what it is. That's what uh, it would look like, I guess. But honestly, the power of working casually is huge. It's a shame that money doesn't allow us to do this more often. But that should be our next soft talk: working casually. Actually, I want to do a talk on how how I came up with PHP Artisan Livewire colon Make. Sorry, PHP Artisan Make colon Livewire. I think I could do an entire talk on that command (laughs) and the process of right like it's like well that's the dumbest thing ever but i feel like the whole process of arriving at that there's there's gold in those hills and i think it would be a a good talk on like working casually like such a good phrase yeah i do gold in those hills because it 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 sort of communicates what you were saying like i will solve this problem I will get that gold out of those hills. Right. It's just, it's going to require some blasting and some digging and some spelunking. But the one issue with that analogy is that some of it is just waiting, you know, like the gold won't come to you. It's as if like, yeah, that's the one issue with that analogy that I think part of the working casually is like just letting the problem simmer and yeah. then eventually trying to see if, see if it will present itself to you. Yeah. I will cook this roast. <laughs> reference uh, nothing no nothing. Just right. that's how you okay. cook a roast you wait yeah it's true a lot yeah. of waiting involved that's in a, roast. a good analogy cooking a roast you know about cutting the ends off the roast no this is a very good analogy it's like shaving a yak <laughs> okay uh so a rump roast yeah so you there's uh there's a kid and uh his mom makes a roast and he's watching her make a roast and mm-hmm. she cuts the ends off and she puts it in the pan she sticks it you know in the oven does the whole thing gets it out one day the kid's like mom why do you cut the ends off the roast she's like i don't know my mom cut the ends off the roast <laughs> uh so eventually she's like i don't know why we cut the ends off the roast she goes to her mom she's like why do we cut the ends off the roast she's like oh the pan I had was too short for the roast, so I just cut the ends off. <laughs> I have heard that before. Um, but uh, it's a it's a good a good analogy. It's a good like short thing to say for like this is something we do because we've always done it this way, right? Just cutting the ends off the roast. I love it. There's a sort of, sort of related kind of not um, parable called the iPhone parable. Uh-huh. This is uh, this went around like the post evangelical circuit. Um, so that I, uh, disclaimer, there's no religious implications to this story. Um, do with it what you will. But the, the point is, is like, so it, it starts off like, you know, a million years ago, there's a cave and Uh there's a bunch of, uh, homo erectuses, homo erecti sitting around in this cave and they're cooking soup, like bone soup. And they're cooking it with a hot rock. And then they burn the mom burns the soup and and uh-huh. it splashes everywhere and whatever and then out of nowhere and uh and like two hours later 
this bright light appears in the middle of the cave and starts illuminating itself. And this uh-huh. object appears out of nowhere and they, they grab this object and the, they've never seen edges so smooth and so perfect, perfectly rounded, beveled edge, glossy back. And there's this depression in the front bottom. So they push their finger because it looks like their finger should go there. And the whole thing illuminates with a light like they've never seen before. And uh-huh. there's these things on the screen or on the screen. Yeah. Like there's things on the screen. How do you know what a screen is? Yeah. yeah. So, right. Okay. But it's an iPhone. It's an iPhone. That's implied. And then, Uh then, you know, uh, 500,000 years later, whatever, a million years later, there's like a pyramid inside of a pyramid in a, I don't know, whatever. There's this iPhone appears. Okay, whatever. And then it extrapolates to like, so now the, the, you know, Suzu tribe of Southeast Jahunga, they burn their soup every third Sunday of the year in hopes that the iPhone will return and they, right, right, and they right. so they perform all these ritual like all of these accidental things that happen they perform as rituals because the iPhone you know appeared where the Well it's like a cargo cult thing. You know about cargo cults? No. Uh this is a thing uh I can't tell you the era of this but there there were some sort of uh like unglobalized tribes that hadn't had uh interactions with sort of modern civilization yeah um and uh there were like some plane crashes and stuff like that and so they came across like a bunch of cargo from this cargo plane and it was like coke bottles and stuff Mm. and uh they uh came up with a bunch of sort of rituals to sort of recreate however like whatever happened that caused the plane to crash yeah that then led to them getting all of these things from this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when these people were sort of discovered, quote-unquote, by uh, Westerners, uh, they found that these people uh, had formed a religion around this uh, cargo Hmm. and uh, that, like, they you know believed that it was some actions that they had done that had caused the plane to fall and so they were repeating those actions etc that's hilarious yeah same exact thing oh (laughs) yeah so the point is that uh that uh honey badger is the best bug tracking app on the internet oh that, that that was a freebie they didn't even pay for that one that's right we're just throwing it at them. I mean, it's we're just so excited. It's our first sponsor. Yeah, I love to have a sponsor. We've we're going to be rich in the, me in the chamber. We got another one in the chamber oh too. Oh my gosh, we're going to be double rich now. So double one rich. One in the clip, one in the chamber. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so we are well, What are we going to do with all our money? I guess You you know you can get uh raw peanuts for kind of cheap if you roast them yourself. <laughs> Yep, I do know that. You think I don't know that, Tico? You ever roast a peanut, Caleb? Uh, all the time. I've roasted a peanut. Roasted a peanut. You know, peanut. I grew up in uh, Chiba Prefecture. Chiba Prefecture, uh, just south of Tokyo. Mm. And uh, Chiba Prefecture is the official peanut prefecture of Japan. So I've been on many a peanut picking field trip. <laughs> nice. We just had like goats and stuff to milk yeah 
Fair yeah. enough. Had had no goats. Did have peanuts. All our peanuts are pre-roasted by the kind folks Lame. in Shibapu, Japan, or uh, probably Georgia, or Georgia, or South Carolina, or something. Something That's peanut country. Something like something peanut good country. like peanut country. You ever boil peanuts? You into that? No way. Never heard of it. Got to go to Georgia. Yeah, clearly. We got to get you into the South, man. I think you'd enjoy it. I went once. You know, I was yeah. like, my real Southern experience was for your wedding. And I really experienced everything there is to experience. Yeah. All that Southern that. hospitality. I didn't open a single door. <laughs> I tried. I tried. They wouldn't let me. I was hit with a buggy switch <laughs> when I attempted to open switch? a door. What's a buggy switch? You know, like a like a the guy who drives like a horse and buggy. He's got like the little switch that's like he hits the horse with. Oh, yeah, I do know. Yeah, so it's what like a fancy fancy Southern lady might have. Yeah. So, I, right. I figure I figure maybe there was a situation where you saw a fancy Southern lady and you thought this lady would like me to open the door for her and she buggy switched then me? she saw that you were a guest and so then she realized that she should open the door for you so she mm. buggy switched you to stop you from getting to the door before she could yeah well i was in the particularly woke part of north carolina the part so where woke. uh the part where you know where the gender specific uh door opening isn't as uh isn't prominent as- yeah, that's true. But yeah. there's definitely, you know, it's alive and well here. You know, what happened to the good old days, D. Cole? Yeah. What happened well, to him? You know. The days you could just open a door open for a, a lady door. and yeah. give her a firm open palm, slap on the behind, and say... <laughs> <laughs> say, say, Toots, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what happened uh, to those days? Just another developer podcast with... Two men <laughs> pining for the good old days when you could slap a woman's ass. <laughs> oh, man. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, boys will uh, be boys. What could I say? That, that's what I've heard. That's what I always say. I've heard say. that they will, they will definitely be those. They will. You can't stop them. Don't even try. You, can't. you could try. You could try. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, welcome oh. to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. You're welcoming them at the end of the episode? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like the right thing. To I'm do. Daniel. Good episode. I think this was a great one. All we right. meandered. We, we wandered. We wandered. We mm. wandered around. Next week, we will talk nothing but code. I love it. I'm so hungry, Caleb. I I'm hungry, wait. too. Let's go eat. Cue outro music right. now. 